Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hello, and welcome back. In this episode, you get to hear someone else's story a family on the emotional journey of adoption, and the eventual diagnosis of a chromosomal disorder so rare it does not have a name. My friend Jessie, whose daughter's diagnosis is a string of letters and numbers, has no knowledge of anyone else with this disorder. So if anyone listening knows of this disorder, or especially anyone with it, you can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com and I will gratefully pass you along to her. I really enjoyed sitting with Jessie, hearing her story, and connecting with her in this way. But you might want to grab some tissues. This is a very real, very honest talk about the challenges of raising a child with special needs. But in the end, you get some sage advice from someone who lives, as she calls it, in the trenches. If you would also like to share your story, you can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. Enjoy. My name is Jessie, and my daughter is, her birth name is Alexia, but we call her Lexi, and um, she has a chromosome disorder, which has a whole myriad of other things that come along with it, Um, but basically, when people ask, I just say she has a chromosome disorder, which involves an intellectual disability, and then if they want to know more, then I'll tell them more, but we just, that's my brief answer. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Nice. And will you just for, in case there's some other family out there listening, will you state the, uh, the actual genetic? Yes. Um, so I had to print it off, like I said, because I can never remember it. And, um, her geneticist told us that she has a duplication at 6P22.1P21.31. And a duplication on 17Q21.31. Okay. So are there, do you know, are there, is this a possibility for other kids? Like, is this just a totally random? Well, this, so we saw a geneticist in Nebraska at the University of Nebraska in 2011. And at that time, he said, we've never seen this before. It's not in any database. And, um... He said the super rare, which, you know, most of them are. Right. Um, but he said, come back in 10 years and maybe we can tell you a little bit more just because the science of genetics is, you know, growing every single day. And, uh, but at that point in 2011, and I haven't been able to find any other cases of it in my novice searching so far. So, <laughs> so if anybody out there... I know, I'm always like, there's got to be somebody. <laughs> right, I mean, there's so many people in the world. Right, just to know um, sort of what her tracking is going to be. The geneticist that, at that time said it's a non-plateauing uh, disorder, so she's going to keep growing and keep, you know, it's, she's not going to die from it. Um She's just going to be at her own pace. And, you know, most kids are. I try to remind myself of that, most typical kids. Um, but it would be nice to find somebody else, especially somebody else older than her, that had the same thing so that I could say, oh, that's kind of where she's going, you know. Right, so you can, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, or those yeah. were the hurdles they had, so let's compare. And be prepared. And yeah, yeah, and just to find somebody else in the trenches, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, well, so how, uh, so Lexi's, what, she's 10? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah, 10. She's okay. 10. Um, so how, how has it manifested in her? Like, what are the biggest things that you have noticed or? Um, right now, just because she's school age, um, you know, she's really far behind academically. Um, I would say a lot of her abilities, even though she's 10, 
on average, she's about four years old. Um, so that kind of has to be my expectation of what she's able to do. But then she'll completely surprise me sometimes. And I'll, she was sitting next to me. I was reading a one of my books, and she kept looking over and saying, that says and, that says the. And I'm uh, like, wait, how, what? <laughs> how do you know this? So, you know, there she's, she's doing pretty good, you know, making some strides with reading. But um, academically, it's a struggle. Letters, numbers, you know, math is non-existent. Um, socially, she's, everybody in the school knows her, and I don't even know half the people, and everybody knows her by name, and hi, Lexi, hi, Lexi, oh. you know, and people in the grocery store will come up and say hi to her, and oh, parents sweet. will come up and say, I just love your daughter, she says hi to me all the time, so, <laughs> oh, yeah. That really helps. Yeah. Freya, yeah, Freya gets that a lot too. I see her, I see her like walking around campus and just strutting around mm-hmm. like she owns the place, yeah, you know, and, yeah. And the teachers are saying hi, and she's right. saying hi, and it's really sweet to see them kind of in their own little world, right? In a like way. their own person outside of you, because you've spent so much. Like with my other kids who are just typically developing, um, you know, that's that's what's going to happen. But I feel like with Lexi. Because of her disorder, I've micromanaged everything and taken care of everything so intensely for so long. And so to see her, you know, at school and knowing people outside of me, um, it's like, wow, that's that's a huge thing to see. Yeah. You know, happening for her. Yeah, it's good for, yeah. their, for the, the independence. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, so... Do you mind talking about... She's adopted. Yes. Do you mind talking about that? Sure, I would love to. Um, it's an open adoption and, um, we just decided we had three kids and we're like, Oh, what the heck? Let's have another one. (laughs) And, um, after my last pregnancy, I wasn't able to have more kids. And so we just, obviously adoption was our option. And, um, we lived in San Antonio at the time and somehow hooked up with an agency in Washington state and, her birth parents picked us, and um, she was a fairly quick process. Uh, we were warned by our social worker it's going to be a long time, especially because you have other kids, but um, it happened fast. And uh, um, <clears throat> so she was due in January, and probably two weeks before she was born, her birth mom called us and said that she had decided to parent and keep Lexi. And, uh, which was obviously devastating. Oh, yeah. Um, but kudos to her. She was 15 and, you know, had her own stuff going on. And so we wanted, you know, that's a huge thing. And, um, but she called me and, and told us. And so I said, well, hey, I have my plane ticket to come out. Can I still, because I, you know, I was going to try to be out there for her birth. And so... I said, can I still come out? And she's like, sure, come on out. So I flew out and um, took her and her, the birth dad, out for dinner. And then um, I got a call at like 2 in the morning, and she had gone into labor. So I was able to be there when Lexi was born. And um, so she was born at 8.30 in the morning, and it started snowing right after she was born. Um, which is always something I like to tell Lexi, it's just a little special thing. And, um, anyway, so I was there for that, took lots of pictures and, and this whole time you knew like, yeah. this isn't my baby yeah. anymore. Yeah. Wow. Which I think I was just, it was also surreal. Like, I don't think it really hit me. Um, but sorry. No, it's okay. I can get some, um, oh, yeah, no worries. Yeah. This is. This is intense stuff. I mean, I any meeting I have about Freya, like right. I, I get, yeah. I go into yeah. Talking about it is so, um, just so like, uh, emotion, like just draining. You know, like I was telling Greg, we go through our day day to day. You just do your day to day, and you just you don't even think about it. You know, but those times like when she has her appointments at the regional center. And they ask you so many questions, and you're just like, oh, my God, this is really hard, <laughs> you know. And um, But you want to do it. I don't want to ignore the hard part of it either. So it's just it's just complicated, as you know. Yeah. But anyways, um, so I think the whole her whole birth 
like me being there was super surreal and it was hard it was so hard um because she because I'd had three kids already I was like I'm a good mom I know what I'm doing you know and so to see her birth mom who'd never had kids and she was young and it's like oh you're she's hungry you need to feed her now you know and it was hard for me just to step back and zip my lips and like she's got it she's she's fine you know and um uh, so she, I think she was in the hospital for two days and then, um, I was able to see her at the house she was staying at before I flew out of town to go back home. And, uh, it was hard leaving. Like I remember being in the plane, looking out the window and flying over Mount Hood and, uh, thinking like, I'm never going to see her again. Oh. You know, this is like, that's it. And, um, but in a way it gave me closure just saying goodbye to her and so when I got home you know after a couple of days I was like all right let's call our social worker and let's get like let's get the process going again and um Greg had a harder time because he wasn't able to see her and hold her and say goodbye you know um so fast forward three weeks and I got a MySpace message from her birth mom as a Saturday and uh she said I can't do it anymore. I'm going to take Lexi to the agency on Monday. And um, so if you guys still want her, I would love for you to have her. And uh, so, of course, <laughs> I like, uh, write her back as fast as I can. You know? <laughs> wow. Like, yes, of course. Like, I don't even think I told Greg, you know, I just like, yes. And then I went and found him. And <laughs> um, But uh, so literally Monday morning. So we were in central time zone, you know, and so everything opened later here in on the west coast and so you know it was like 10 o'clock at home before the agency opened at eight and uh we were just like i'm ready to go we were already on the phone trying to get an airline ticket and it was one of like in the movies just like throw everything in the suitcase and go (laughs) and like just don't even think about it so um i took nora with me because she was two at the time and so i could bring her on my lap and um so we flew out and went and picked her up, like went to the agency and, um, that was it. We just, I had, we had to stay, um, in Washington state for, I think three weeks just for all the paperwork and everything to go through. But then. What a roller coaster of emotions. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely. Definitely. So were there. Were there any signs? So you didn't know that she had a genetic disorder when she no, was born? No, okay. we didn't know. Um, <clears throat> I think it was hard because, you know, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and all that. And it, it's true because I felt like with my biological kids, I could kind of like compare them as babies, you know, and say, oh, well, well, Grace is my oldest. And so Jack came along and... I could compare like developmentally what he was doing because of what I had been through with Grace. And so, you know, with Lexi, there was, there were things probably around six months that felt a little off to me, but I never like put two and two together really, or thought a whole lot about it just because I was like, well, I don't know like what her, I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. she's completely, she's a completely different person, right? you know, so I couldn't compare like, oh, well, Grace was doing this, you know. Um, so it was probably, like I said, around six months there were little things just like sitting up and crawling came a lot slower. And then, uh, she would do a lot of repetitive motion things like with her feet, especially. And until like she would kick her feet until her toes would bleed. And, um, so that was like a, like the first thing I remember she was eight or nine months and I went in to her crib and there was blood all over her crib and I'm just like what happened you know and I'm like like pulling apart everything and searching like what's going on why are you bleeding and pulling off her clothes and then um I discovered that her little baby toes were raw and then um so I just kept an eye on it and then I realized like she had been just kicking and kicking and kicking until her toes started to bleed and um so that was kind of the first like uh something's not right and then uh but really around a year when walking and those kind of things weren't happening that's when I got in touch with Easter Seals and through her pediatrician and um we started some physical therapy and some occupational therapy 
and just kind of more testing and seeing okay. what was going on. So she was getting the therapy and stuff before yeah. diagnosis? Yeah, oh, she cool. was. So at that time, um, we she started the PT and the OT with Easter Seals, and they still, you know, just, they were like, well, we don't know, every baby's different. And that was the thing, that was the thing that people told me from, like I said, six months on, you know, and I would go to the library story time with my friends and then we'd go to the park and play afterwards. And, and I remember like talking about it and, and, or go to church and, you know, I'd maybe mention something to somebody just kind of offhand and like, oh, she's doing this. It's really weird. And that was the phrase that everybody says, like, well, every baby's different. And, and it's true, but mm-hmm. there's a point where you have to look beyond that, you know? And so I try really hard not to say that to people. I, or if I do, I say, well, every baby's different, but <laughs> trust your gut. And mm-hmm. I think that was what I kept coming back to. It's like, I knew that something was off. And uh, so around a year when she wasn't really walking, and I mean, she would scream bloody murder when we would make her, like, just let's hold her hands and try to help her walk or even stand up. And it was just like, we were torturing her and like, huh. it breaks your heart you because know, you know we're not like we're not doing anything we're just trying to help you stand up and do these developmental things and um it was heartbreaking and uh we so that's when the pediatrician decided to do more testing and at that point they thought uh maybe she had fetal alcohol syndrome oh. and because it was an open adoption i was <coughs> able to ask her birth mom and she was able to just and it's been, I love the fact that it's open because especially at that time when we were trying to figure out what was going on, she was, she was really open and honest with us and oh, good. to say, yes, I did drink alcohol or yes, I did do this and that when I was pregnant. And, you know, you know, she would think of stuff and send me a message and just say, Hey, maybe this is why, you know? Oh, wow. And yeah, so that, that well, was good really, for her for yeah. not like feeling shame and needing like she needed to keep it like she didn't want to you know that's Mm -hmm. great that she was honest and open about it yeah totally yeah totally yeah I was really like because that's a huge piece of the puzzle and um I felt like that was a lot of good information that we could bring to the doctor and you know without her birth mom being willing to because she wouldn't have you know she didn't have to tell us that right and she did so it was really that was a big deal um so they thought fetal alcohol syndrome, and uh, we were in the process of getting in with a specialist in San Antonio, but like everywhere, medical offices take forever to get into, and um, we never ended up following up with that because Greg had gotten out of the Air Force, and so we moved. So we were in the middle of, by that point she was two, and uh, we were in the middle of moving, and we were in Michigan, so we were moving back to Nebraska from Texas, and we were up in Michigan visiting my family, and uh, sitting in church, and Lexi had fallen asleep on my chest, and she just started, like, moving really weird, so I kind of leaned her forward, and she looked super pale, and just, like, was doing this weird thing with her eyes, and I looked at Greg, and I was like, I think she's having a seizure, (laughs) Greg the nurse, and he's like, no... I'm like, I think she's having a seizure. <laughs> and so I like didn't want to cause a commotion in the middle of church, you know, so I go out quick to the little side room and there was another mom there who was a nurse and she was back there with her kid. And, uh, I was like, look at her. Do you think she's like, what's, it wasn't the typical like twitching, you know, like the, like Nora's had seizures before. And so like, it wasn't the same reaction, uh-huh. you know, it was very like, what's going on? This is not normal. So the friend, Becky, who was also a nurse, she comes over and she's, you know, assessing her and, and, uh, she said, I think she's having a stroke. <laughs> and so, you oh, know, we're right. out in like 45 minutes away from town in this small country church, you know, in Michigan. And so it was, uh, yeah, it's like, do you call 911 or do you just drive it yourself or what do you do? And, um. So, like, by this point, Greg had come out, and so Becky and Greg and I, so the two nurses and myself, um, and Lexi just hop in the car and go and uh, get to the hospital. And I think she was, she did the whole, like, seizure, uh, just, like, 
she started drooling and then so Becky was driving and I was freaking out in the passenger seat I think they had me call they were like just call call the hospital and let them know we're coming and then they were like call the insurance like Becky and Greg were kind of, I think they were trying to distract me a little bit give you jobs <laughs> yeah. to do so you yeah and uh, Greg's in the back with Lexi just making sure that she's still breathing and doing all of that and um so get to the hospital and they do every, you know, all the tests and come to find out she was having, she was in fact having a seizure. And, um, so then that's what started the whole, like, all right, we need to do a lot more testing and find out what's going on uh-huh. with her. Oh God, I could just imagine that, that car ride. Oh, yeah. terrifying. So, and that was, so then you started doing the tests and then yeah. you got the. So we, at that point, so it was, um. I think it was like the, well, that afternoon in the hospital, so after that was morning, and then we were in the hospital in the ER, and they, of course they did all like the CAT scan and everything, and um, they, uh, I was sitting in, I think I, I think we were still in triage or something, but at that point she was done like actively seizing, and just like the postictal, I think is what it's called, the phase of like after having the seizure, so she was laying on my chest again, and then she like sits up and she starts kind of throwing up a little bit, but it's like this not typical like vomit, you know, it's just like mucusy, it's not, you know, and um, slobbery. And then like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. So like, oh, this is what has been happening to her. Like all the puzzle pieces just like come together in my mind. And I'm like, this is like her, probably by the time she was nine or 10 months, she would wake up in the morning once or twice a month and be super lethargic and super pale and uh, not really like just sleepy, you know, and not, not herself. And I would think, Oh great. She's getting sick. Like hope all uh, the other kids don't get sick, kind of quarantine her, you know? And, um, and she would do the same, like kind of throw up the mucusy and just like hundred percent similar to what was happening there and I realized so come to find out and so I told the doctor and then we all just kind of put the pieces together and they said they thought that she had been having seizures like at nighttime she'd been having seizures probably her whole life or for at least the last year and a half Aww. and so um you know it was like well what damage are these seizures doing to her brain and it was like you know is it just resetting everything for her and um you know so at that point we started anti-seizure meds and which fortunately, that we're aware of, she hasn't had a seizure since then. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Is she still on anti-seizure? No, meds? and she's gotten off of those. You know, because every it's like, you have the meds to stop the seizure, but then those meds also cause other complications, right. and so it's like ah, the pros and the cons of all of it. But um, yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, so fast forward to Nebraska, and we were back. You know, where we were in Nebraska was a big enough city to have medical services and like I said the University of Nebraska had the geneticist that we went to and we went back to the pediatrician that we had known and loved before we moved and so she was really helpful getting us um all the referrals that we needed and uh and that's when they did their genetic testing and they found out you know that uh she has that long 6p22 17q whatever you know um and so that kind of just like okay puts all the pieces like even though we don't have an answer answer it's like okay well all of these things are happening because of her genes and because of this these duplications and um you know so like I said because of these genetic duplications she's got um and fetal alcohol syndrome I mean that kind of falls it's still a thing but it's not like it all just kind of falls under the genetic umbrella, I guess, right. whenever we approach anything with her. Just the global developmental delays and ADHD, you know, people, that's a, that's a tricky one because people, I feel like, are always, oh, ADHD isn't real, it's just the environment. And I'm like, no, it is real. Like, if you have it, it's real. Right. And, it's just and, that a lot of people have been yeah, labeled as such. Right. And you can... When they're not necessarily, right, but right. if you really have yeah. it, then... Yeah, so... Um, She's had lots of ear issues because of it, and she's got a really small, like, nasal structure, you know, and sleep is an issue. How has it been, 
uh, getting resources and having, well, I start with a, like a community. Have you always had a good community of people around you? Because now you're living in, right. in Northern California. Right. So you've yeah. obviously moved a bit. Right. Um, Are the transitions yeah. hard to a new community? I don't, yeah. huh. it's, you know, I had my community in Texas and, but that I feel like was before we really knew what was going on. And I did like looking back, I, feel like I kind of started like withdrawing a little bit from my friend group just because of what was going on with her because I felt like nobody understands this mm-hmm. and I could talk about it with them um but they don't they can they can sympathize but they right. can't empathize with it and um they can say oh that's too bad that sucks you know uh-huh. I was like yeah it does but and uh I'm an emotional person, so when um, she just had her regional center, her like her yearly review or whatever, and her caseworker said to me, um, you know, something about like, but she's not an average ten year old, and it just when she said it, I was just like, oh, just started bawling, and I was like, thank you for saying that because I know she's a ten year old, but she's not average, right. you know. I mean, she's not a typical ten year old, and sometimes just. Just, uh, people don't see that, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and especially cause she's cute and she's sweet and she's yes. so lovely, you know, <laughs> and so is. people see that and I'm like, oh, that's great. Like she is all those things, but there's all of this other stuff that, that, uh, and I want people to see that. It's not that, you know, it's not that I don't want them to see that, but I feel like there's been a lot of work to get us to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so in Texas I felt like, I felt myself kind of pulling away from people and then we ended up moving and then um we were in Nebraska for a year and I definitely before we moved out here and I definitely totally secluded myself there mm. because it was just too much like stopped going to church um didn't really reconnect with old friends I probably hurt a lot of people's feelings because I didn't make that effort but um sorry that's okay <laughs> uh that year in Nebraska, um, like that was when she got this diagnosis. And before, like we did, um, we saw another doctor at the University of Nebraska, <coughs> and he had told us because they did, you know, I mean, they were testing every like head to toe on her, and then some test um, came back in her urine, something was elevated, and they were like, well, I still remember, like, they called us and said, um, we think she has San Filippo syndrome. And so, you know, of course, I'm, like, Googling really yeah. quick, like, well, what does this mean? I mean, and they told us this on the telephone. Isn't That's... It? And San Filippo syndrome is fatal. And most oh kids God. don't live beyond seven or eight years. And so I just have, because of that, I've connected with other San Filippo moms and I have a good one that just, a good friend whose daughter just died. And, you know, so, like, they told me this on the phone, and I'm like, my daughter's... And we were living with that for probably two weeks. And um, so I definitely was, like, anything beyond my little um, home bubble was too much. So, uh, That's so anyways, dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard, you know, and I feel, I mean, I guess grateful that we moved past that diagnosis, but it was just a really hard time just being there. And, uh, then moving here, (laughs) super rural, but maybe it's what we needed for right now. Just because we had like, she's stable, you know, there's no, there's nothing traumatic happening. Like she's beyond the seizures and she's progressing and there's nothing huge going on with her, you know? So it feels like, Oh, things are fine, (laughs) but you know, it's all still there, but it's fine. So yeah. So when I met you and I, you know, I was like, yay, it's another mom. Like I said, (laughs) in the trenches, like she gets it. Like I could say, I'm super frustrated because there's no speech services, you know, and you can, you can commiserate yeah. and, and like, oh yeah, I get it totally, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or, you know, OT is failing her or the schools or, you know, they don't have enough staffing or they're trying to put too many of their special ed kids together and they don't have enough special ed teachers. Um, it's been, you know, and so many times I say to Greg, uh, 
we just lived in a bigger city, I feel, I sometimes I feel like we're doing her a disservice because if we lived in a bigger city, we would be able to have more for her. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's one of the hard things about living up here. And I definitely, in the beginning with Frey, we were going down to San Francisco mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but now, kind of the same thing, at least yeah. for now. Like, everything <clears throat> is right. pretty mellow and it works and we just go down there twice a year Mm -hmm. you know one of my closest friends lives down there so it works right right yeah and i don't think people know what to say yeah they don't know what to say and and i understand that yeah you want to get beyond just the like you're you're a great parent you can do this you know like yes thank you for that support um but i need to move beyond that i need to actually have a conversation about Mm -hmm. this and i need to and that there's been a few things like you were saying that comment of you know well that's uh, all kids are different, you know, yeah I think people don't know what to say I think they're trying to make it better, um, and I but sometimes those comments can seem kind of dismissive because mm-hmm. like you said there's so much work and yeah we right. both have kids that, you know it's not like it's not obvious right you know yeah yeah. So. Yeah, and especially for Lexi, it's funny you say that because I still, like, even, like, right now sitting here, I'm like, oh, is it obvious that she's different? <laughs> like, does she look, you know, because I see, because she's Lexi and, like, she's mine and I see her every day. And uh-huh. and then, you know, and when she was little, and that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, when she was little, it wasn't as obvious, but she, as she's falling farther and farther behind her peers, it's it's obvious that she's different. You know, and uh-huh. maybe in that, in like the academic setting, right, right, and just like the, you know, even socially. I mean, she's okay socially, but she's definitely different. Uh-huh. And, but yeah, I don't, I don't think people know what to say, how to respond, and which is fine. It's yeah. Fine. How would they know what to say? Right, right. But sometimes you have stuff that you need to share. And because of those, like, responses that people, the, you know, just those typical responses that people give, it almost makes you feel like, oh, I better not share this. It's too much. It's too right. much for them. I don't, it's too much for me, so I don't, uh-huh. I don't want to put it out there and have it be too much for them. Yeah. Too. Or maybe they would think that you're kind of playing it up so that you can right. get sympathy right. or whatever. Ex- yeah, totally. I feel that way all the time. Yeah, I mean, I've had so many people, Freya is such a loving Right. Person. And, you know, that's what people point mm-hmm. to. And I'm, and it's great. And I love it. Um, and sometimes if I express some frustration or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not always understood. Right. I know. Or and then you're kind like, of looked oh, over and I'm like, I'm you don't know what, or, yeah. like the fit that she threw right. before we left the house mm-hmm. or, or the potential. I mean, because my situation is different in that I know the ways that this manifests mm-hmm. and I know the potential. Right. Um, and it's terrifying mm-hmm. actually. Um, yeah, because I know the potential. So I see, I can see little behaviors right. that really, you know, seem like small mm-hmm. to, yep, totally. to other yep. parents and they, and I've had people say, Oh, my kid does that too. Yeah. I'm like, I know, but my kid, but is, this is a bigger deal. <laughs> yeah. Like my kid, I've seen, I've seen pictures that people have posted, um, of their 12-year-old throwing a tantrum mm-hmm. and, and the room afterwards. Right. And the furniture is thrown around and right. things broken. And so, you know, when my six-year-old is kind of throwing a fit, you mm-hmm. know, yes, yeah, sometimes six-year-olds yes, get upset. Sure, but, totally. You know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, is this, but like, the beginning. But if you this in the bud now, then, and that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, we had a really rough morning this morning, and I have a tendency to think, like, well, it's just me. Like, I'm just not handling it well. And I'm stressing, I'm stressing over all the little things she does and like little things that might be typical for a kid four to six years old, you know, even 10 year olds like her. But, um, I just feel like I'm hyper vigilant and hyper aware of every little thing that she does and so much anxiety inside of me because, and I can't, I can't ever not know where she is. I can't ever not know what she's doing. You know, I'm always, where's Lexi? I mean, you know, if I lose her for two seconds, I'm like, where's Lexi? Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, your other kids, like, oh, they go run around and play, or they do this. Like, no big deal. But with her, you always have to be 
like catching those little things because you know and you see and even though I don't know where <laughs> because I haven't met anybody else with the same genetic makeup as her I don't know where she's going but I mm-hmm. I feel like it's so important for me now to make sure that all the little I and mean, even stupid little stuff like hanging up her shirts we're working on like putting away her laundry <laughs> and, uh-huh. and I'm so hard on her like just the other kids might be like, yeah, I put my laundry away, mom. And they, I go in and they've stuffed it in their closet. And she does that. And I'm like, Lexi, you need to do it again. <laughs> you know. And I feel like a big meanie. But I also feel like it's so important right now uh-huh. to just keep these little things in check. Right. Because, you know, 10 years from now, it's going to be huge. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it's just always, like, there's no... There's no break from it, mm-hmm. you know. There's no. It's always going to be there. Um, well, can we go back and talk about first about siblings? Sure. Um, because you know some of the things that are coming up re- recently is that uh, Haven is feeling an injustice mm-hmm. because I sometimes I don't let Freya get away with things, but mm-hmm. I have learned, or I'm actually in the process of learning, that's the thing, it's like, I don't totally understand, I'm in the process of learning, Freya's got a slower, she's, you know, process is slower, doesn't, I think, under, doesn't understand things mm-hmm. quite the same, so mm-hmm. I'm having to kind of shift how I parent her, and Haven, at times, sees that as, like, an injustice, Right. and so I'm just, we're in the midst of that, I guess, I don't have any answers, but just, right. how does that work at your house like are you having issues like that right now or yeah I think um so it's funny how they're all so different with her like Grace is my oldest and she she'll be if I ask her to watch Lexi she's like yep got it and um you know she knows her nighttime routine and everything and she's she'll be so sweet and so helpful with her and then other times it's just like whatever I don't care about her. She's getting on my nerves, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, a typical teenager. Right, right. So that's fine. Um, and then, you know, so I feel like with her, it's all or none. And um, then with Jack, he, him and Lexi just butt heads to no end. And he's, I think he's a lot like me and just, he's so in tune to what, to everything that she's doing. And so he wants to, um, just micromanage her and uh-huh. um and I'm always reminding him Jack let me be the mom let me be the oh mom oh my god I like, say that all the time yeah and I'm like if you want to be the parent sweet I'm gonna go out <laughs> but like let me be the parent and uh and I know he has good intentions totally like it's I mean sometimes it's scary because you know what you you hear them say like things that you would say and you're like oh do I really sound like that I'm such a big meanie but I almost feel like he, he just steps up to like, like eating is a big deal for her. Mealtime is a, is a struggle for us. And so like, he'll, he'll say things that I say. And, um, sometimes I wonder if he's doing it, like, cause he thinks he's helping me, you know? And I don't know. So there's that with him. And, um, I try not to leave those two alone together very long. <laughs> and, um, and then Nora, who's 11, so she's a year older than Lexi. Um, she is like, she's so patient and just so caring and just like, come here, Lexi, come play with me. Come here, Lexi, come here with me, you know, and just always. And I'm like, oh, I want to be like you. Why can't I be like you? <laughs> <laughs> like you have so much compassion, you know. But as far as, I try to keep things, I don't know, fair, if that's for lack of a better word, between them. And I don't know, we don't have so much like, the feeling of injustice between them, but like, because I'm a lot more strict with Lexi than I am with them. Um, but I think the issue with the siblings is just like the amount of stress that I feel like there's this like bubble of stress around every interaction with her. And I don't like that because like, like this morning, you know, I said we had a hard morning and you know, I'm like I, afterwards I drop her out of school. I'm like, I just don't like like, that's not me. That's not who I want to be. And that's not my nature. And to be impatient with her and and just feel so, like, anxious and frustrated and stressed out. And um, I feel like that's 
hovering over every interaction between the siblings as well. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, that's stressful. Mm-hmm. And just them trying to, like, when they jump in, I feel like they're just trying to decrease my stress, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. Do you ever talk about it as a family? Do you talk about it with them? Do you... Some. Uh, like, you know, when they're trying to say something happens and they're getting after her and like that whole like well maybe the parent thing and I try to explain to them like you guys Lexi's different like Lexi Lexi's body I don't want to say she's different I'll say like her Lexi's body is different her brain works differently than most kids or you know just kind of like um so that they understand like oh she can't do those things the same way you know and I'll even say that like uh, I can't think of a specific example but um just trying to point out to them that she's her body's made differently she can't do things the same way as other kids or the same way as you guys or you guys you know she forgets these things or we have to just keep reminding her mm-hmm. and um so, but I don't think we've ever like you know with this right well what is there like, to say yeah like here this is what the <laughs> geneticist said you guys let's read all this word paperwork that even I don't understand um you know we've never sat down and said she has a chromosome disorder and she, I mean, I'm sure they, we talk about it all the time, you know, uh-huh. so it's not something we don't talk about. So I'm sure they've caught wind of things you yeah. know, that way and all of her doctor's appointments and going down to UCSF and all of that. Um, it's funny though, cause we like with her being adopted, you know, we've talked about that so openly with all of them. So it's not a surprise. And even with her, I feel like she's just starting to get it and, um, cause I really want her to know and I like, I'm anxious, I, I'm anxious to know that she knows if that makes sense. Like I want her to understand that she has a birth mom and that story, but I don't think she quite gets it yet. So I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I can't wait for you to get this, you know, but, um, her last birthday, she turned 10 in January and, uh, she said, and I came out of your tummy uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, well, actually, you know, I said, you came out of, I, you know, I said her name and you came out of her tummy and, um, but then when you were born, you know, after you were born, then blah, 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 you know, and, and, uh, she kind of, oh, I came out of her tummy, you know, and then she kind of started saying it. So I think she got it for a little bit uh-huh. and, um, but yeah, so we definitely talk about all of it, but it would be interesting. I don't know. I should sit down and talk to all of them and just see how... I feel like I'm failing them as a mom sometimes because I think, man, I need to get a mom in counseling so they can all talk about all the things and well, be okay. I, I think that's one of the criteria for being a mom is feeling like you're failing at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I've thought about that too. I mean, especially as Haven gets older. I mean, Haven has a lot of really sweet interactions with mm-hmm. Freya. She's a great big sister. Right. But the same thing, like she does, you know, it is that she's 13 and, mm-hmm. you know, she does get really frustrated. Freya is difficult to deal with. Yeah, sometimes. totally. You know, and it's hard to tell if she is intentionally mm-hmm. being difficult or if she just yeah. really is not getting it. Right. I mean, I've seen her, and I was trying to explain this to Haven. I have mm-hmm. literally, like, this just happened recently. I said something to Freya, mm-hmm. like, asking her to do something. It was literally, like, six seconds. Right. And then I saw it click. Oh, okay. Right. Like, she just stood there quietly for, like, six like... seconds. And then... <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh. And then went and did it. Right. So that was just a huge eye-opener yeah. for me of, wow, right. okay. This is what it is. Yeah, and I think that's that's what I'm continually reminding myself or trying, you know, what I need to continually remind myself is that, it's like, she'll get there. Uh-huh. It's just her own pace. Right. <laughs> you know, and I just need to relax and it'll happen. It's just uh-huh. going to take so much work to get And it's not like, oh, it'll get there. But no, it's going to take heck of a lot of work and then she'll get there you know and um I think that's what's exhausting we like when we first moved here we would go to the the dunes a lot and the kids would just run so you know we'd be sitting on the beach and like relaxing and then we'd see the kids running through the dunes and you know they they pop up they disappear they pop up they disappear and Alexia was pretty little when we first moved here and and uh so but she always wants to be with the big kids her like she loves her siblings and so we'd see Grace running along the dunes, and we'd see Jack, and then we'd see Nora, and then we're like, oh no, where's Lexi? Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Oop, there she is. So it's always <laughs> like, like you say, like 
30 seconds behind, you know, just a little bit slower, but, uh, but still there. doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so one more question. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Just, um, about the, more about a, the future. Mm-hmm. Do you, I, well, because there's not really, there's, you don't know the future. Right. It's like, I guess, so maybe that's a little different, but, um, you know, I mean, do you think about the future? Do you worry about planning for it? Do you just, uh, do you just imagine that she's yeah. just going to be with you the rest of her life or? Yeah, no, the future is definitely always on my mind. <laughs> I mean, even like the immediate future of, you know, she's like, what's going to happen when she gets her period and uh-huh. like, because she can't even go to the bathroom by herself right now and she's 10 years old uh-huh. and so then she's gonna get her period and <laughs> like wow. how do we do you know like and then all oh, middle school how is that gonna happen and then um you know like I said I feel like the older she gets the more obvious her differences are and um so it's like there's no getting around it or no like not talking about it or not dealing with it but like I said she, we went to a regional center appointment just a couple months ago and I were in the waiting room and this I see this probably 25 year old woman come in definitely a client at the regional center and um and then right behind her and she you know she was leading the way and then right behind her were her elderly parents I'm assuming and um so you know they kind of hung back and she goes up to the desk and checks in and they give her her visitor tag and it's just like that's us like that's what's gonna happen you know and um so I think that's why the things like folding the laundry right now are such a big deal um because I want her to be independent and I want her to be able to fold her laundry (laughs) and wipe herself in the bathroom and uh you know hopefully we'll be at a place when you know Greg and I aren't here anymore that she'll be able to be independent or have this, the support that she needs, you know, through an agency or whatever to, to be independent. But it's scary to think about it. It's really scary. Um, so is there, is there anything else you want to say or any words um, of advice or? I think like, because I'm, I'm like I said, I'm an emotional person and I think I'm probably a pessimist. So it's, uh, it's hard for me to see like, like, Oh, you know, we joke about like, you know, when retirement, whatever. And it's like, Oh, but uh." (laughs) like, I'm looking forward to just being with Greg and, um, or just, you know, all those cliches, like, but you're a great mom or like God only gives special kids Uh, to special people or whatever. No, that (laughs) is bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah. It is hard and it never stops. And, um, sometimes I wish it would just go away, you know? Which makes me feel like a bad mom. (laughs) So I have my own issue there. But I wish it would go away because I see her and I think, you know, other special needs moms might totally disagree. But I just think, like, what is she being robbed of? right now because like what would her potential have been if everything had lined up in her system and I know she isn't a great a great amazing person the way she is I'm not saying that but um sometimes it's hard for me to just see sunshine and rainbows you know and Uh um so if I you know when I meet other moms or dads or whatever that are in the trenches it's uh encouraging and I want to just say to them like yeah it's hard this is so hard and it never stops but you're okay and it's okay that you get frustrated and it's Uh okay that you get tired of all the doctor's appointments and I'm trying to work right now and um it's hard juggling all of her appointments and a job and I'm thinking I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be able to do this because of all of what she needs um I'm rambling, but it's just, uh, it's, it's overwhelming. And I think that, and that's, what's really frustrating about those comments. Mm -hmm. Like, well, God only gives special babies to special people. That one drives me nuts because it is, it's such hard work. And that, like that comment right there, I feel like sets the expectations way 
higher because then when you're like in your moments of oh my god I'm totally screwing this up right. I'm failing like I don't I'm you know I just yelled at right. my special yeah. needs kid for yeah. something yeah. that like I should have yelled at him right. for but yeah. I did and yeah. then you're like oh well I'm... yeah it just I know sometimes it makes me feel like more of a failure right. like I'm supposed to be better at this yeah I listened to a podcast on I don't remember which one it was one of them on NPR like uh, I don't know it was this American Life or whatever and Juicer Vos was the name of the podcast and uh, someone just it is about like special needs and uh, at the end just the, somebody I think it was a parent they said all those success stories are great all those six you know the kids because there's so much with autism and everything and sometimes I feel a little bit like okay but what about what about Lexi she doesn't have that so we we don't fall under this name or category uh-huh. or whatever but anyways so they said you know all those success stories are great and I'm glad that your child's doing well but when my child is still struggling it makes me feel like I'm not trying hard enough uh-huh. and it's like that's that's what I face that's what we face every single day it's like we're, it feels like we're just not trying hard enough uh-huh. um so my advice <laughs> would be to uh or just Trust your gut with your kids, you know, and trust, like, if something doesn't feel right, get it checked out. If you just don't like what they're getting, just keep pressing on and um, get what they need. And it's okay that it's hard, and you'll be okay. And find somebody else who's in the trenches with you, because... (laughs) Because then I can, we can sit at the beach and say, oh my God, this sucks so bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can be real about and, it. And, and it's okay to fall apart. And then you can go home and be like, yep, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs>